say everything's bigger in Texas, including climate change. That's why Houston is leading the energy transition. Here in H-Town, the fourth largest city in the United States, entrepreneurs from across Texas and around the world are gathering to work with titans of industry to build the technology that will reduce emissions and power a low carbon future. We sit down with those change makers and wildcatters who are solving the toughest energy challenges. With trillions of dollars on the line, we dig into how Houston will bring technology to market on a massive scale. Join us as we talk with the leaders of the energy capital of the world as they show us how the energy transition gets done. I'm Lara Cottingham, and this is the Energy Technology Podcast. And I'm Jason Etier. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the show. We are here today with Neil Dykeman of Energy Transition Ventures. Uh, Neil is one of the, what was it, four active investors here in Houston doing energy technology? Or I is tell it, people is it, it's 13, but 13, I made that 13, number okay, up, we're up to 13. meaning it's not very many. <laughs> but less than uh, around a dozen, um, and one of the active ones who are investing in energy technology companies. And one of the things that I think Neil does especially well is uh, he's seen and, and, and looked at every technology company in energy uh, and has seen where all the bodies are buried. And um, also I put a few of them there <laughs> and um, has the best experts on any given technology uh, where he can go out and uh, know definitively who is best in hydrogen, who's best in catalysis, who's best in battery technologies. And that really shapes the uh, investments he makes and has a, a great set of partners as well. So, Neil, tell, tell us a little bit more about um, how this came together. Now, energy transition yeah, ventures. Transition came ventures yeah. Well, we don't use the word clean tech anymore because <laughs> no. I, I I wrote the original definition of the word clean tech about fifteen odd years ago, and 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 now the world has changed. The cool kids use the word climate tech. We don't use the word climate tech. That's a silly term. Yeah. <laughs> so we either call it clean tech because clean tech is the imperial term that just keeps changing until it grabs everything that's interesting this particular year. But the corporates have moved to calling it energy transition. My pet theory on why is that the corporates figured. The board figured, you know, clean tech sounds nice and disruptive, like as in I'm not going to have a business. I'm the one going to get disrupted. So I'm definitely not going to make a clean tech strategy. But energy transition sounds just slow enough that I could have a strategy that might survive so I can go sell it to my stakeholders and I'm not going to die now. But for whatever reason, it's the term of art. Yeah, I've actually got a journal article that's supposed to come out one of these days on the history of the term energy transition as a term of art. And we branded our firm around it because that's kind of what we do. We're doing the same thing I've done for 20 years. My partner's Craig Lawrence. He was doing this at Excel Partners way back in the day. It's literally the same type of technologies, the same type of companies. Market's different. Mm -hmm. Some of the dynamics are different. A lot of stuff has changed, but it's the same stuff we were doing 20 years ago. Well, not microturbines. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen a new one of those in a while. Not in a while. It's uh so so what what are the the market dynamics that are that are different today that that uh, you're seeing? Number one, there's more cash than God in this sector. Mm -hmm. There didn't used to be more cash than God. Ever you'd go to these these panels and these these conferences, and venture capitalists would get up there, and startups would get up, and they would whine about the valley of death, mm -hmm. which is code for at some point there are not any more investors to put into my thing, and I can't aggregate enough capital to take the shot on goal for fairly capital intensive stuff. Well, that disappeared. Nobody whines about that anymore because, well, it was not really true then. There was plenty of cash for the good deals. Today, there's definitely plenty of cash for all the good deals and to put in way too much money to them and to fund most of the stupid ones too. Yeah, it's funny. I, I remember Valley of Death is code word for I can't raise money. Uh, but also- Yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> it, it, it used to be, a, a, academically, I remember it being a, about uh, a period where markets, market dynamics shift from uh, early, what was it, early adopters to mid-stage adopters of technology. And it, it somehow got repurposed for- um, For the code word of I can't yeah, raise money, yeah. yes. Uh, but uh, it's it, it's also, uh, we're in this- in, in, in the startup world, you're correct, right? Like good deals will get funded. And and we're also in this funky stage now where um, some deals aren't good and they're still getting funded. Some. <laughs> some, a percentage. Um, well, so yeah. look, to be fair, we, we're doing early stage. Yep. We're doing early stage this time because quite frankly, there's more cash than God and there aren't enough good companies. So the later stage, there's plenty of capital. Mm -hmm. If you could get a company that was IPO ready and had IPO metrics, you could float that puppy so fast your head would spin. Mm -hmm. If you've got a great looking growth stage company that's got good metrics and there's 85 people that'll line up to give you a term sheet, but somebody has got to go build companies here, mm -hmm. right? Because 
you have to manufacture the company just like you manufacture the product. It's got to get started. It's got to get founded and seeded and grown up and backed and and, and developed because all these growth people need need some product to buy. Yeah. So we got to make something to sell them. So why do you care about that? Why do you care about the pipeline? Why, instead of being later stage, instead of making more money than you said, like what drives you to be in the front end? So I, I'm comfortable across the, the spectrum of, of capital. I, I would be very comfortable. We talked about raising a growth stage fund instead or a project finance fund. There's a, a lot of really interesting opportunities in clean tech and climate to go do. Yeah, but you also got to make money and this is a supply demand market. And what we realized is the hole in the market right now was there aren't a lot of investors left from the old days that have been through a cycle or two, understand what good versus bad looks and are still wanting to play at a smallish fund, yeah, early stage where you only are putting a few million bucks into a company. And so somebody's got to do that job, which means there's outsized returns to make there. And frankly, it's fun. I like early stage just because I think I'm good enough to be at any part of the spectrum I want. Doesn't mean this isn't fun. I have um, four deals on our portfolio. Mm -hmm. All four of them are first-time CEOs. All four of them are first-time founders. They're just fun. Right. They're really, really cool. And I get to, I talk to them all the time more than I should because they have to go do work. <laughs> and then I go talk to people that look like them. And then I go cajole investors into joining me in them. And I go cajole people into joining them. And I go talk to customers and tell them they're beautiful and they should talk to my yeah, my, my little companies. That's all I do all day long. So it's fun. Is clean tech fun? Clean is tech energy is, transition fun? Clean tech is very fun. Energy transition is very, very fun. We we have a term and it, it's like literally posted on our website. So if you go to the Energy Transition Ventures website, it'll say energy is life and the rest is just details. <laughs> mm -hmm. So basically energy transition means anything that Craig and I like because everything uses energy. Uh, is it more fun now or when you first started? Same. Same? Same. The challenges are the same? Eh, challenges are different. Look, back in the day, we called it alternative energy because it was more expensive than conventional energy. And our rule of thumb was it's the policy, stupid. If you don't have a big fat, you know, honking policy framework to, to underwrite to, your startup is going to die mm -hmm. because it, it's not very competitive. Today, that's flipped. Renewables are cheaper than gas-fired generation. We don't see any floor to how cheap renewables and energy can get. We think energy is basically free mm -hmm. and CO2 is basically free and cheap to abate. And so... Let's go do some neat stuff with it. So that's a, a fundamental flip mm -hmm. from what we would have done before. Does that mean we still like policy frameworks? Well, look, I, I'm a libertarian and I was designing this portfolio assuming that every one of our companies needed to go make money even if there's no policy support at all. We just have to get to scale. That is one of the things that's different. There's now a lot of private capital that can help get you to scale that might not have been there before. But assume scale, all my companies, we fundamentally believe, can beat the pants off the conventional technology they're doing on cost, first cost, life cycle cost, and everything else. Right? Mm -hmm. That's different. 15 years ago, you did not have that, that, that luxury. So first cost is CapEx, installation, and then yes. life cycle When is somebody in this sector tells you, I am cheaper on an LCOE, LCOH, LCOS, LC yeah, a average future, or if I'm, if I'm a long-term energy storage and I say, I'm cheaper if you give me 18 hours of storage. Well, that's code for my thing costs more than the other guy's thing. And I got to get some financial wizarding magic in my spreadsheet to make up the difference. We don't like those mm -hmm. as much. We like things that can drive the ever living costs out of the CapEx upfront and are fundamentally better product. What we term advantage technologies, not micro turbines. <laughs> We're going to get to your micro turbines in a minute. <laughs> we can get to micro turbines when we get to them. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about stage. Um, so I think everyone has a different way they define early stage. I think Correct. You, you talked a little bit about dollars that you put in, but uh, when you think about stage, is it market? Is there a market stage you look for? Is it uh, a technology stage? Tell us a little bit more about where those bounds are. Look, we, we don't have a long enough podcast to discuss how stupid people's descriptions of stage in venture and clean tech and energy are. They're ju just suffice to say, Everybody else's view of stage is stupid. Mm. Okay, let's let's start with a couple of things. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know how to discuss this. It just drives me up the wall, <laughs> right? 
We think people are mispricing risk on a grand mm. scale. We've seen deals that are like Series D and hundreds of millions mm. that we would underwrite as a seed stage deal and give an $8 million pre-money. And we've seen seed stage deals that are like, oh my gosh, Fisk is mature. This is a tech that can win. And we've missed on some and backed some in, 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 both, in both categories. I don't under, most of these investors today, they have no conception of what real stage is. They stage shift. Mm -hmm. They look at it on some metrics or, hey, it's in the energy sector and it's doing $3 million in ARR. It must be a big, no, 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 no. Energy companies will give $3 million to any dead dog that walks through the door. If some VP gets uh, an idea, they like it. Three million is not real money in energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because energy is so big. It's so so, so like, that's why I don't ask, like, is it Series A or Series B? I'm, I'm, what, what, is the, what are the things you're looking for? You say this is an exciting early stage company because it doesn't have these features yet. Well, we'll do late stage, too. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically, we're 20% late. 80% okay. early, but it doesn't matter. We invest in what we like. Mm -hmm. We got a couple of seed stage deals, one B and one C when we came in in the first round, if that if that gives you gives you a little bit of, mm -hmm. of insight. Look, our seed stage deals and seed and series A would be the, the bread and butter if we had our choice, mm -hmm. if we can find enough of them. So I, I'd rather be the first check in. I don't mind not being the first check. I don't mind partnering with people as long as the other investors are smart. That That shrinks the the world mm. bit. Yeah. But look, because we, we want the deal to be well formed, especially if there's other bunch too many, you know, a bunch of other hands at the table. We have a we have a rule, this one's got too many cooks in the kitchen, we don't play. Mm. There's nobody driving the ship, you know. So you got to have kind of a cap structure that that conforms. So the yeah, what we what we look for is uh we don't like scale up risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scale up risk defined is I have a thing that is 10 inches in size and I need it to go to 100 inches in size or something like that. We like manufacturing volume risk, so which some people call execution risk. Why? Because in energy, tech is cheap. There's always a better way to do every single thing that we do. Scaling it up and getting it to market tends to be expensive and where the bodies are buried. So if they haven't knocked that, I don't care how much dollars or you know work has gone into the stuff it's still seed stage mm -hmm. yeah the SaaS world and the venture world today refers to product market fit we we put that like number 5th or 6th on our list that's just dumb right if you got product market fit but your tech costs too much and you can't scale it up yeah and you got it doesn't it doesn't matter right it's just cuz we are we're making widgets to go into projects in this sector to sell into commodity markets at the end of the day. So we kind of underwrite stage com completely differently. Mm -hmm. We don't use TRL. TRL is very stupid. Mm -hmm. TRL was invented in people by people in the what, 70s and 80s to describe all the stuff to develop the stuff needed to go to the moon. But they went to the moon before they had invented the word TRL. It yep. is really stupid. Now all the corporates like it. So all the little startups and companies adopt it. It is just a nutty concept. But we do the same type of concepts, right? Is that, what is the core innovation here? Is it new? Have we seen it before? Have they cracked the nut that broke the 15 other people that did it before? Do they even know there were 15 mm -hmm. other people working on this? Yeah. Did they bother to Google me or are they pitching me a carbon IT deal and forget that there were 15 carbon IT companies back in the day? One of them was mine and my name is on patents on the stuff that they were claiming they're doing. Has mm. this happened? Oh yeah, more than <laughs> once. Yeah, so I like early, but we separate out early in the company, mm -hmm. early from the technology, early from the component, early from the go-to-market. We you tend not to want to take you know, technology and and market risk in the same deal in an energy company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can take one or the other, but it's hard. It's hard to take hard to take both. So we've invested in stuff where the where the science is mature, a component is very mature, but the system is not because we judge the system risk as something we could handle. We've passed on things with huge amounts of maturity and scale that literally had not cracked, they just didn't realize they had not cracked the core nut that was going to determine success or failure on the cost structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
we judge everything in terms of what its cost is going to be when we get it to real scale, to energy scale, because there's no point in playing a small business. Let's just take, take hydrogen, for example. It is monumentally useless to talk about hydrogen in a small company. Mm -hmm. Hydrogen either blows everything out or, or it dies, right? So minimum discussion is gig scale. In, in terms of and by uh, being a small company, you mean billion dollar kind of Meaning right? billions a yeah. year yes. or bust. Yeah. Not because I think I want to have binary outcomes. It'd be great if we could get non-binary outcomes, but because that sector, you can't get costs out if you don't scale. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. So you have to assume scale, and then you have to assume everybody gets to scale because there's enough cash, more cash than God, so everybody's going to get enough cash to go do stupid things. So you have to assume you can beat the biggest and the best and the brightest with scale, with cash, when they also have the biggest, the best and the brightest and cash and scale. You have to assume your tech is actually advantaged. This sector is replete with amazing teams working in cul-de-sacs. Mm -hmm. And they are their investors don't know it. So half my job is just avoiding cul-de-sacs. We have our, our rules are team, tech, traction. And after that, you start looking at TAM and a well-formed deal. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you start looking at product market fit after that. Mm -hmm. you know, product market fit's important, but it's not important if your tech doesn't work. Mm -hmm. If you're a software company, product market fit is everything because it's software. I can just make it work. Yeah. Once I know what it is, that's not true in this sector. Mm -hmm. So you say over and over and again that there's more money in climate tech than ever before. Do you think that is going to stick this time around with everything that is going on from an economic perspective, from a geopolitical perspective? The, the amount of capital resource flowing into this sector is functionally uncapped. It's essentially been functionally uncapped for 20 years, but it didn't all go to the right spots to kind mm. of drive adoption of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, think about Tesla, which is kind of the poster child for, you know, for the clean tech sector. That deal by itself is probably, it certainly returned all the clean tech sector since mm. the beginning of time. If every venture capitalist in the company, in the world, in clean tech, had invested in just in Tesla. Tesla's made everybody money. Yeah. And it might have returned the entire venture sector for the history of time. Mm -hmm. It's close. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was half a billion dollars of government DOE loan guarantee, a massive free investment from the NUMI plant, and probably another half billion dollars or several billion in, in tax credits coming from the California emissions credits from the other automotive companies. That's what made it. Mm -hmm. Right. So even back then in this 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 the dark days, there was so much cash. And frankly, some of the Tesla competitors also got massive, massive, massive non-dilutive and, and huge equity cash chunks in. Solyndra, mm -hmm. which was a solar cattle guard and a really stupid product, got a billion dollars and then another billion dollars in DOE loan money. Don't tell me they didn't have enough cash to get their their shot on goal. And that was, those were bad times. Those were, those were orders of magnitude smaller amounts than here. So what happens if it tails off a little bit? Some of the bad deals won't get funded. We'll have some washouts. I'll get some stuff cheaper, but we still got to go build some good companies. We still got to find advantage technology and you still got to get it to scale. How do you see climate change, right? Um, interacting with the advancement and progression of the energy industry. So one of the other things that's changed in 20 years is mm -hmm. decarbonization is now the driver. Mm -hmm. That's actually new. First driver in the 90s was gas as a convergence fuel deregulation. It was Enron driven. A lot of the stuff we're still, microturbines. The hot <laughs> era for microturbines was driven by that. Gas yes. was the feedstock. Yes. We are going to talk about your microturbine company, well, we, right? We, we can get to it at some point. <laughs> All right. So then we kind of moved to this clean tech world where distributed generation died because mm -hmm. it was gas fired. Mm -hmm. Since it's gotten picked up as a kind of a solar driven you know, DG world. And, and for a, a while in there, the driver were things like energy security, right? Which is a hot mm -hmm. topic now, but that was why we did the hydrogen economy mm -hmm. you know, 20 years ago. That was the kind of the, the Bush theory. That was all of a billion dollars in money. The IRA is 
several orders of magnitude bigger than that just by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've kind of moved on to this, you know, decarbonization as a, as a as the core driver, and I think that has driven has taken us in a different direction because it's corporates trying to figure out how to decarbonize their operations. This is a demand budget from hell mm-hmm. that is flowing down into into these companies. That's the big change. So it's not just the capex numbers; it's 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 real demand budget. But I mean, keep in mind. Yeah, there's a, there's a, yeah, uh, the a lot of that budget was simply buying renewable power. Well, they're all doing it under bilateral deals that are essentially a decade old. That wasn't a thing 15 years ago. Yeah, and but today that's a that's not a renewables thing. That's decarbonization. They shouldn't be using RECs and renewables to make carbon claims, but everybody is. Mm-hmm. There was even a great article, and I think it was at Bloomberg today on exactly this topic that. They're not supposed to be reusing renewables to make carbon claims because those are no longer good offsets. Just because they're already in the ground, or because everybody's stupid. So <laughs> look, back in the day, RECs were invented by the Center for Resource Solutions in San Francisco over in the Presidio. It's a nonprofit who designed the Green E program to certify good RECs from bad RECs. Basically, and the certification mm. wasn't hard. You had to have an actual wind farm and actually produce it and demonstrate that you only sold it to one place. I mean, it's just, it, it, but it was, a, it was a certification and every voluntary credit did it mm-hmm. because nobody wants to buy a dodgy credit. Mm-hmm. Well, Greeny would tell you over and over till they were blue in the face and the, the CRS would tell you, look, this is not carbon. It's RECs, mm-hmm. they're renewables, they're different. Do not use our Greeny certified RECs to make a carbon claim. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they buy them and, make a, and the company make a carbon claim because that's the only reason they were buying them. Mm. So, or they would say we're green or renewable and then they go ahead and make a carbon claim anyway. And today we're, we're kind of full circle, people figuring that out. Now, offsets and recs are good things and corporates buying that should not be yelled at. It's like monumentally stupid for us to say, hey, we want to save the world. Let's go shoot every emitter and corporate in the foot that is trying to do anything good. Yeah, even if it's a baby step, they take a baby step, let's blow their toe up. Oh wait, I'm not allowed to say that, Laura. <laughs> Damn it. All right, let me try and see if I can do, re- Try it again, try it again, yes. <laughs> Redo. All right. The world is driven by decarbonization, mm-hmm. right? Today, that's what corporates are doing. There's some company stuff that's driving policy and, and money. But corporates are buying things because they're trying to decarbonize. This is new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are also people buying things because they think it's just better than what they're doing before, cheaper, et cetera. Renewables falls into the same boat. The corporates, however, are using the renewables to make carbon claims, mm-hmm. which they're not supposed to do because renewables are not CO2. CO2 has a different set of modeling constraints. Of course, corporates are going and using life cycle analysis, embedded emissions on their product and saying, my product's better than the next guy's product because it has a lower LCA. This also is not what you're supposed to do because you can't use an LCA to compare product A to product B. It's an LCA. The boundary conditions are mm-hmm. everything. What's an LCA for, for all Life of cycle analysis. Okay. Yes. Yeah. How much CO2 is emitted in, in this water to make this water bottle that, I'm, that we're mm-hmm. about to drink, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you, what LCA is great for is saying, I'm going to change a few things on the supply chain of this water bottle, I'm, and then I'm going to have one that has lower energy and lower carbon input or higher energy and lower carbon or, or, or something like that, right? What LCA is not any good for is claiming this water bottle and my phone mm-hmm. have relatively different carbon intensities mm-hmm. because they're just too different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and in many ways, it's because it's it's fundamentally a model, right? It's not necessarily Correct. like you're going in and measuring every gram of carbon. Correct. I, yeah. I, I, can, I can make the model dance. Yes. Yes. Right? So we're in this weird, interesting world where decarbonization is driving stuff. It's driving a ton of cash, but more importantly, a ton of demand, just product mm. demand of various types, which is new and awesome and cool and is changing things. But it's being done by people that 
and companies that are basically, they're trying to drive an agenda and a business forward. They're trying to, their stakeholders say, be greener, they're trying to be greener, right? Yeah, and policymakers are saying, be greener, so they're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to be greener. Yeah, we are not in a world where we have a single price of carbon. Mm-hmm. We lost that battle mm-hmm. 15 years ago at, at, at Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. So now we don't have a single price of carbon. We basically have a thousand fractured prices of carbon. So we've got this interesting environment that we didn't have before, which was policy driven and a hope for a carbon market and renewables and everything is so expensive. We we're struggling to, you know, there's a green premium to today. There are a thousand markets around the world of various products and opportunities. And some of these are really big markets, mm-hmm. right? And the customers care and they care for a variety of reasons. And as an investor at some level, I don't even care that I care why they care. Mm. I'm just excited that they do Mm. because they're opening up opportunities. So take our, one of our latest little companies is a young company named resilient power. Mm -hmm. We did this one with Amazon. We brought Amazon in to partner with us because Amazon happens to be basically the biggest purchaser of, 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 EV fast chargers in the world, or will be, because they're one of the biggest purchasers of EVs in the world. And our company happens to have its very first product making an EV fast charger that is about to obsolete everything else on the market. And when we did the deal, another investor was wanted to come in and they're like, oh, we need you to fill out the, the carbon, how many <laughs> gigatons this thing is gonna, is gonna reduce. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And it's because their LPs want it. Because they gotta report it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it's a charger. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many gigatons? And I'm like, so that depends on how many we sell, mm-hmm. um, which it's pre-product. It's a seed deal. So who do you want to make up that number? <laughs> yeah. Two, are you going to count the same electrons for the, that the renewable solar guy that's selling it to is counting from your renewable developer portfolio company and the EV manufacturer OEM's life cycle analysis and the utility that's putting it on and the customer who's putting it in their building and the end user is like the scope one, two, mm-hmm. three BS. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what you mean about making a model's dance. Yeah. This is, I'm like, this is the dance. Yeah, I'm like, guys, which there's only one set of carbon reduction. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. And we're making a charger. It happens to be the best charger on the planet. And we can do microgrids and, and rewrite the whole grid and do amazing things and enable stuff. But it is silly to make a gigaton claim off of that. But everybody is. Mm. But so you can't um, reduce if you don't measure, right? So like people are starting to understand that. We need to measure something. We want to measure something. Fair enough. It is incredibly complicated. So what do you see, where's the right measurement? What should we measure? How do, what did you tell that company? I told them, I am not going to produce that. I am gonna tell my company, do not make up this number. You guys make up the assumptions and you put it into your model. And they said, well, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, then don't do the deal. <laughs> and the, the founder is much nicer than I am. And he's been trained Southern polite as well. And um, so he's like just the ultimate gentleman when he deals with anybody. And so he, he made up some numbers and handed it to him. Mm-hmm. And his numbers weren't wrong. They just weren't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so this is when we get back to like some interesting stuff. So why are people, why is Amazon doing this? Right? Because they're one of the, they're our partner, but they're also one of the end customers and their customers are, are, are the scope two and threes that we're talking about. And well, they're trying to decarbonize. So they've gone EV. And they've gone EV. And what do you need when you have a big, massive fleet of EVs? You need chargers. Half the world is talking about how challenging the chargers is. So great. This tech is rewrite the grid, take care of the EV charging problem. This this tech is green as all hell. Mm -hmm. This tech is like a carbon magnet. It is designed to just... I was going to use one of my examples again. (laughs) To dominate. To To dominate. Yeah. Not blow a hole in no. the <laughs> CO2 budget, mm-hmm. right? There you go. Good job. Take massive chunks out of the CO2 budget. But it's not really fair to say it's more or less green than the EV. And it would be really silly to go say 
Amazon, y'all are just doing EVs because your customers and regulators want you to. Well, of course they are. Their customers, shareholders, and regulators want them to, so they're doing it. So they're buying. And that flows down to build a business around a tech that can also rewrite the grid because mm-hmm. this tech's real value is microgrids from hell. Mm-hmm. It's You can literally rewrite the distribution grid with this stuff. Why are we not selling it there instead of to the Amazons of the world? Well, because utilities kill companies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on accident by stepping on them like an elephant. And EV people are dying for product. So I know I'm going to regret this, but talk to me about utilities and the grid. <laughs> I'm, my partner will not allow me to say <laughs> the words that I want to say here. What, what words have been pre-approved? None of them. <laughs> but I, I think that you have a unique perspective on this. Well, I do. Look, look Laura. Dig deep. I believe that we'll take solar, for example, and batteries. The native cost structures of a lithium-ion battery and a solar module or solar cell mm-hmm. are already so cheap. We're, we're done. The world, the game is over. We're done. Now, you and I, when we go stick that on our roof, whether we're a business or a house or whatever, we don't get the doneness mm-hmm. because there's more costs in it. Where do those costs come from? Well, you know, you, the, there's the classic little paper, just go Google it. Australia and Berlin are twice or half the cost of, of solar on your roof than, 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 than Texas is. That is, that is nuts, mm-hmm. by the way. It's all, it's all policy, grid, permitting, just stupidness, right? Renewables are fundamentally cheaper in huge swaths of their market than gas, mm-hmm. which is our, our core marginal of, of fuel, right? And we're putting on as many of them as, as we can. We should just be doing the long shoulders with gas and the short shoulders with lithium and shoving every renewable we, we, we can on there. Tell, but we don't. Tell me what the shoulders are. Sure. So there's a little curve, you know, so, solar produce, sun, solar produce when the sun shines, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a curve. Mm-hmm. And the shoulders are the edges of that curve. So if you want you know, more, more, more green power, you got to flatten that curve. Mm-hmm. Which means you got to store energy. You got to shift your production somehow at trackers, bifacials, any number of ways to do it, or just batteries to, to, to store it. And the, the more that you need to store, the more expensive it is because storing things is kind of dumb if you don't need them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive, it costs, it's inventory, it costs money. And so the best way to do it would just be to do it with gas and then decarbonize the gas mm-hmm. and then do the parts with lithium that lithium is good at and the parts with solar that solar is good at. And if we did it properly, we would take down cost structure for days. There's no reason any of this stuff costs more. Today it costs less. Mm-hmm. But remember, we have no equal price of carbon. And we have this amazing yeah, world where energy customer is really the regulator, mm-hmm. right? The PUCs are essentially the customers in the US for the power. You and I are not the customer. We don't buy direct. It's a messy, messy, messy market. So if the PUC wants to buy and build their grid that way, they can. But if they don't, they, they don't. Yeah. So there's, we don't think there's any real protection for fossil except for stupid regulators and policymakers. That's the only protection left. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna dip my toe in. Let's talk about microturbines. Yes, okay, so <laughs> we, got, we got 10 minutes. Just, just to yeah. set yeah. the stage, yeah. you had a microturbine company. Yes, I did. I, I, had a, uh, I actually had two microturbine companies. You've got this, to be kidding I, me. I did this twice, yes. So the, the, the first micro, <laughs> you know, sometimes you learn and sometimes you don't. My first, uh, the first microturbine company I joined was working on microturbines to power these guys. Which one? Cell phones. There's a company called uh, Kapiri Micropower. I don't remember this It's one. It, it lasted a grand total of five months. Okay. Um, and we, they were going to make company cell phones? if it was only for five we months? We had incorporation documents. We raised, I'm going to say three, th- I didn't, I was not, uh, I was not doing the fundraising. I think we raised three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Okay. Um, it was technology that had come out of um, research funded by the DOE to support the warfighter. Sure. They wanted twenty, ten to twenty watt power systems. What's yeah. a warfighter? Warfighter is a soldier 
and then some, I believe. I don't actually know what the full definition of a okay. warfighter is, but it was a warfighter they, they power. They need stuff, all that stuff has power. They've funded so much interesting research in small power things. Okay. Like your okay. night vision goggles. Yeah. Night vision goggles need like 10 watts. To so, interesting. So right? this is real stupid. Right? Back in the day, batteries were so expensive and lasted so short period of time that we were looking for micro turbines to micro fuel cells because the theory was you couldn't get the battery there. And, and so we had uh, designed and developed a, a little turbine that generated 10 watts. It was the size of a fingernail. I love it. <laughs> and ran on ethanol or vodka, if you were really. Uh, I love right? it. And and we went to the, uh, the, the laptop manufacturers and they said, fantastic, interesting technology. We won't buy it because ethanol is going to explode on planes. And second... Uh, processors are becoming so low power, we we think the batteries will eclipse you in two to three years. And we didn't go, huh, let's think about that. We said, no, we're going to go harder. And uh, that's when uh, I decided to leave that company uh, because it, it, you, you got to listen to your customers and you got to listen to your market. But what I we did hear through a lot of that process was there's still a need for power in remote places because the batteries and the solar wasn't quite viable. And the places that were remote Included the oil field, included right. cold places like Canada. Cold places. <laughs> like cold places. The whole category yes. of cold places. <laughs> cold places. Because <laughs> the solar and battery, batteries don't work well when it's super cold and the sun coverage in an Arctic Circle was terrible and, and during parts of the right. year. And then the third places were um, uh, uh, developing countries where they had power grid. And uh, we looked at that and said, oh, who has money? The energy industry. Let's go look at oil and gas. And so started a second microturbine company to try and solve uh, power challenges so around you, you, you realize, you know, the Fuse Conference, there were a bunch of electric frack things <laughs> sitting out there. You know those are turbine powered, right? I know. A large chunk of them are. Not all. Some of the, the applications are, are ICs, but there's, 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 there's turbines in the oil patch now to do exactly that. But not micro turbines because those are all define micro. That used to be micro. up to a mega and a half. Exactly. And I think the frack spreads now are like an LM2500, which is like 40 megawatts. And we were looking at things under a megawatt. And some of this is was hubris and some of it was the, the resources we had on hand. We knew small turbine machinery. Because remember, the turbine I was working on before was the size of a fingernail. Once you get large, you start competing with Rolls Royce, GE, Caterpillar. Right. And we didn't necessarily have a competitive advantage. I knew a lot about small combustion and knew a lot about small but it aerodynamics. Scale up. This, but this it is the scale, scale up thing. We you, you got to be careful on that scale up risk. And so the scale up would only get us to about 50 horsepower or 35 kilowatts, which at the time we were going out to market was the perfect size to power a single well, um, uh, shale well, and power the pumping unit. And uh, there was a a like brief window of 24 months, probably in 2015, where we had gotten a product out. Uh, on time, we could have dominated that market because we could run the pump. We were the only microturbine that could run a pump jack reliably, and we can run mixed uh, fluid fuel, so liquid and gas, without any compromise on performance. And there's still only a couple engines out there you can run field power off of. Yeah, and off. and the challenge is we entered the market in 2018, and the market changed and went to multi-well pads, so power demands went right. up where you need a megawatt, um, and drilling slowed. And it's just uh, just this dynamic of not not being able to get the market out, uh, the product out into the market Great. at the right so time. Great. So you bet wrong. And what happened to that company? Oh, it uh, we went through bankruptcy. It was fun. So <laughs> when are you going to do another one? Uh, that one is TBD. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you when um, I was uh, starting the first two companies, uh, there could be any risk because uh, I had just finished school without loans. I got lucky there uh, and didn't have the encumbrances of like mortgages and loans and all that. And now that I'm in a mid-career, I keep thinking, man, this is a reason people don't start companies mid-career unless it's super compelling. So we have was going through. did you know Neil before? Oh, I yes. did know Neil. Neil told me not to do it. Oh. <laughs> That's why so we're much. still talking about Mike Durbin. <laughs> so I was going to say, like, maybe, maybe he's your... Um... Neil, Neil no, is the guy I like not to do. <laughs> Maybe he can be the one who makes third time the charm. Maybe, maybe, or or or, or not necessarily. He's your lucky charm, but a different market. <laughs> what one of, one of my goals in life is to get everybody to quit their job and start startups. They should. People are happier when they do that. The world is happier. <laughs> Laura, let's work on you. <laughs> I mean, so so it scares me when Neil says things that I agree with. 
Yes. And while I don't think everyone should quit their job, I do I'm not worried about everyone now. Now we're focused now, on you. I do appreciate so much that you are like dedicated and committed to the pipeline. That while you are in it for the money, like you see the the long-term perspective and that you are trying to find and you're trying to instill the next new Laura, thing. I think you are avoiding the question. What startup do you want to do? What startup do I want to do? Ooh. What'll um, get you off the bench? Things things that I care about a lot. Okay. Um coffee. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so to the to folks listening who want to hire me, you know. Um Starbucks in general. Uh I grew up in a suburb, so I, I am quite a fan of Starbucks. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But here we are, Laura. We're talking about climate here. Tell, yeah, I, I don't no, no. think there's a climate uh, I mean, coffee company. Technology sure around helping Starbucks decarbonize, right? Okay. And and the coffee industry is like rife with opportunities. And you haven't just started this company because? Oh, well, am I starting it or am I going to work for it? Well, how much guts do you scenario? have? Uh, I would definitely go work for it. I'm not starting it. I'm not an, <laughs> I'm not an engineer. So? I, I like, I'm a history major. I've got seven <laughs> okay. of them on my resume. So this is the other part of Neil that I am afraid to admit that I resonate with because I was a ancient history and classical civilizations major. And so I like I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was little. Um, and I ended up here in climate tech. And so there's a there's a space and a role for everyone. Um, but my other, you were asking me she, about she's literally trying to get off topic of which startup she would join. She's very talented. I'm I'm giving you another <laughs> one. Um anything involving aviation. Mm -hmm. So why haven't you done it? Well what aviation companies are here in Houston there is a life I don't, know, I don't do aviation. I'm this, but I'm not the I'm not the subject a of the inquiry here. Aviation Lawrence. is in like Arizona, it's in uh California, and it's in I think North Carolina, because that's where the jet engines are. We have space. We have space. We, have we have space. Space, space and aviation, aviation are the same thing. Just one has air, one doesn't. I'm a fan of air. So <laughs> <laughs> actually it's low altitude air, to be honest with Laura. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I don't do well in high altitude. But uh, you know, I I like talking about systems and how they interconnect and that's why I like policy. So like for me in the realm of climate tech, I'm the climate, he's the tech. Mm -hmm. okay, I ended well, up he here. Can join you to start I I, I fell into company. this space, right? Because I saw the need in Houston's energy transition uh journey that we needed innovation, that we needed more startups and that we wanted those startups to be here because if not they will be in another city somewhere mm -hmm. else. Right. So the best thing you can do for that is to get Jason and start a company. I don't. I think we've talked about his track record. I'm not uh, sure yeah. if I'm gonna <laughs> um, here, here, hitch here. my horse to that cart. But Ouch. here's here's the she is correct. To be it, fair, he he bet badly on micro turbines, and so did a whole bunch of other people. And he needs to take another shot on goal, and you can just join him. Do you like coffee, Jason? You know what? I drink my coffee black because I don't care enough for the flavors of the milk and the other things. That's that's fighting words right there. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is fighting words. But no, but but here's here's the thing: is like we know the successful startups come from market market driven products. Right? You're you're looking at the market. You're looking at technology that can defend defensively. And what was the word you used? It was. Um, we call it advantage. Advantage technology. technology. Natively advantaged. So, so part of this re would require identifying the market you love. You know, it's aviation, but then identifying that technology advantage, uh, advantage technology, and I'm not sure I know how to do that. I'll be honest. As a, as a uh, someone who doesn't necessarily look at a lot of technologies, I don't know. I would know when I see something and I love it, but I don't necessarily know. I have the thought space mm -hmm. to say this is advantaged for a long time. And we're talking about 10 to 15 years that a technology needs to be advantaged for kind of given its its commercial. To be fair, you, you don't have to start a com company where you have any technology. I'll, I'll give you a couple of stories from our own little portfolio. So yeah, Omium, which mm -hmm. is one of our startups, they make green hydrogen electrolyzers, was talking to the founder there, Arnie Valentine. Arnie came out of Bloom Energy. He was mm -hmm. the yeah, head of engineering there. And doing solid oxide. He'd been a PEM fuel cell guy before. And he, he basically told us, how do you start the company? And because we like to understand the origin stories. It tells you interesting stuff. And he basically said, he sat down and he wanted to be in green hydrogen. Just kind of like you mm -hmm. want to be in yeah, yeah. decarbonization of coffee so you can drink more coffee and not feel guilty. 
And yeah, he's like, well, what tech is going to win? Mm-hmm. He said he'd been doing solid oxide for 10 odd years. He's like, you know, I just I don't think we're going to get the costs out of it. I, I think I'm the best in the world at it. And I don't think I can get the costs out. And so he said, you know what? I think PIM's going to be it for a number of reasons. And and uh, so he said, a quote, I sat in a room and started writing IP. Mm. The guy's got like 170 patents to his name. Yeah. And he wasn't saying he was making up patents. What he was saying is he was reducing to practice a whole bunch of whiteboarding ideas to something that he could go start working in engineering on. And that's how he launched the company. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take any, 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 any more than that sometimes. Yeah. We have, I was looking at our portfolio. So I said, we only have four young companies on our portfolio and they're all awesome. And they're all growing very, very, very well and making me look very, very, very smart. And I will not trade my four for anybody else's four on the planet. Mm. Yeah. We have um, uh, half of them have a female co-founder. Half of them have a ex-military mm. co-founder. Very random. None of this was planned, of course. Yeah. Three of them have a founder over 40 or had when, on, when they're founding. Three of them had a founder under 40 when they were founded. Where are they geographically located? One is two are in California, but one of the Californian ones is pretty disparate in its team. It's headquarters Santa Monica, but its people are all over. Another one is nominally in Fremont, but its people are all over. And we have 250 people in India in, in the plant there with the manufacturing plant. One of them is in Austin, but when we met them, they were sitting between Houston, Austin, and Atlanta. And we told them, you got to pick. You know, you mm-hmm. eventually got to coalesce somewhere. And one of them is in New Jersey, but when we met him, one of the founders was at Argonne in a fellowship, and the other one was at the uh, Rutgers Lab in New Jersey. So they're all over the map. So to challenge the assumption that we kind of know where startups come from, I know where I think startups are supposed to come from, but startups come from founders. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. where they come from. So I see no reason why the two of y'all can't do a startup literally by Monday. <laughs> you know how to file the paperwork, right, Jason? I do know how to file the it's paperwork. It's a holiday weekend. <laughs> it is a holiday. Yeah. And now you're just giving me excuses, Laura. Uh, yeah. But, so, yeah. I have two other things. We're little, all right, let's go. Well, that I that I agree with. You know, Look, it doesn't matter if the time is, is short here because Laura's just going to cut out the part she doesn't like and keep the part she does. It's, it's more like we have to get somewhere else next. Very Fine. true. <laughs> but I'm going to say this really quickly because I so appreciate that like you care about the semantics of things mm-hmm. just in general, like words matter. And you started off talking about why your company is called Energy Transition Ventures, very um, specific and intentionally, right? And so I care so much about the phrase energy transition and how and why we have settled on that because I spent six months of my life debating over the word decarbonization or energy transition. Do you want me to send you the journal paper? I'm, I do. I'm excited about this. But I want to hear your take on, like, where, what, why energy transition and where is it going? Is why it going to stick? term? Yes, or? why the term? Because I agree it, that there's, like, a political... Legs, um, but it, on one hand, the terms matter because they tell you something about what's happening. On the other hand, it really doesn't. In 2025, 27, there will be another term and the cool kids will be using that. Hell, half the cool kids today want to use climate tech, which is just a dumb term. It's just, it's literally people that just are too cool and too good to use clean tech Mm because they don't like that term. It's the same stuff, right? Yeah, and back in the day, there was green tech because there was a whole chunk of venture capitalists that did not want to call it clean tech because they wanted their own term, very High-powered venture capitalists with a lot of money, so they they were they were trying to popularize their own term. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I remember in 2014, I was raising money, and I was told, "Do not call yourself clean tech." Of course, because clean tech 1.0 was terrible <laughs> but for it the was, investors. It wasn't for, for those it who was did not terrible make it. for the dumb investors yes. who did not make money. Yes, yes. What when I went to Shell, yeah, and I I spent several years helping launch Shell's latest venture fund about nine years ago or so now. One of the ways I got there was they they had hired my firm to go advise them on strategy and stuff and venture and that sort of thing. And one of the big questions was, have and where has anyone made money in clean tech as an investor? So I wrote what was one of the very first research reports on this topic. And yeah, it was skinny. We had at the time, I think, 
30-odd M&As and 30-odd IPOs with greater than $50 million exit. Hmm. Not like investors made money. Like that's the universe from which investors could have made money. This is about a mm-hmm. decade ago. Now, many of those companies are orders of magnitude bigger now than they were then. Mm-hmm. The venture returns just had a, a longer tail. And you had to hold. You had to hold. Yeah. Right? So the 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 interesting thing about clean and, and, and the reason they were asking was exactly what you were saying. There was a perception for about five or seven years that clean tech was a place where people went to lose money as an investor. That was never true. Mm-hmm. It was only true for some Valley Cool kids who invested badly in mispriced risk because they didn't understand energy. And you know what? Guarantee you climate tech is going to see the same thing. There's going to be so many busts. It's just, yeah. And we'll probably change terms again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really matter what the term of the day is. It matters that there is a term of a day. And it matters why people have picked that term on this day rather than are we still going to be using the same term. And it's a bit of like a rallying cry and it gets people yeah. excited and it's bringing unlikely partners together, right? Yeah. But startups never called themselves clean tech startups mm-hmm. except when they were raising money. Mm-hmm. Because clean tech was the umbrella asset class term. We called it the imperial term that would go suck in all new little mini segments and sectors to aggregate capital, but you'd define yourself as a microturbine company mm-hmm. or a distributed generation company or a solar company because that was the industry you sold product in. Energy transition, decarbonization, these aren't industries. These are themes. Mm-hmm. These mm-hmm. are waves. Yeah, Climate tech is just the cool kids version of clean tech as a term, but there are funds jumping out that call themselves any random number of things. And what matters is where they're putting their cash. And it matters what kind of product is is coming out. And you are timeless. You will surpass all of these buzzwords. I am old and crotchety. <laughs> I, when I started, you I was young. do use of the word crotchety. Can, can we have to be our last word on this? I know. We are, we are far, far over time. So... Um, thank you. Is there any parting words for our illustrious audience who hopefully will stay with us after this episode? Ouch. <laughs> Same as we started on. Energy is life. The rest is just details. There we go. Thank you, Neil. <laughs>